you start off with enabling people, coaching them, building them up, right? Getting them, increase their awareness, increase their power to act within limited authority. And then the next step is build good teams. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to episode 235 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Daniel Hammond to the show. Daniel is the co-author of the new book, Customer-Driven Leadership, that has been held as one of the most effective ways to revitalize and scale organizations, including financial brands and fintechs. Now, the insights Daniel shares provides a practical path forward that will empower you, that will empower your team to function at your highest potential with the fullest of autonomy, which is transformative, which is required for you to maximize your future growth potential going forward in the age of AI. Welcome to the show, Daniel. It is good to share time with you today, buddy. Thank you, James Robert. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Before we get into talking about your brand new book, Customer Driven Leadership, what's good for you? What's going well right now? Personally, professionally, it is always your pick to get started on a positive note. I just got back from El Salvador, got a really unique invitation. We have a nonprofit called Love Light Campaign for Central America. We're working with the Episcopal Bishops of Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala, the Episcopal Bishop uh, was getting promoted to be the lead bishop in Central America. And two weeks before the event, I got an invite and I really felt like I needed to go. And so I went and now I know all the bishops, yeah. <laughs> the Episcopal Bishops of Central America. And it was really an amazing opportunity just to connect with people you care about, expand your network and, and meet people who care about people and want to make a difference in the world. So yeah, it was a really, really good trip. I think what you just said right there is is so central to our conversation there, connecting with people that care about people. Um, and you have published a good book, Customer Driven Leadership. Uh, as a fellow author, I always like to get into your mind just a bit. Why? Okay. Why? Why write this book and why now because i know the effort it takes to bring something like this to bear for me it was always i always had stories i've lived a pretty interesting life just needed the right opportunity and and so you know um being part of strategic coach is a big part of that uh seeing how the pieces i want you know my my number one strength finder is strategic so you know when i see an opportunity I know how the pieces need to fall into place, right? And so um, in, in working in Central America, uh, a partner of mine and I built a nursing school. He's my co-author on the book, uh, Dr. Ted Anders. He's an organizational psychologist. Um, you know, working together on this project, 
we completed it. We built a, a this nursing school building uh, facility uh, with a clinic and uh, space for expansion. It's going to last them decades of positive impact in the region. And so we, we were like, what's next? And so we started this love light campaign with these bishops. And um, I said to Ted, uh, seeing Ted kind of work in his unique ability, seeing how good he was at focusing on what matters with these bishops that we were working with, I said, I want to see what it's, I want to see you work in the corporate environment. I would pay to see that. And so he said, come, come see my programs and tell me what you think. And um, as we, we've talked a little bit in the past, but you know, my, if I have a superpower, it's I can break anything. And, and so, you know, I was an army interrogation instructor. I did cyber exercises where I literally designed disasters. <laughs> I try to, I try to design the worst days you hope you never have. Right. And so um, I, I saw this concept he created in the mid nineties called customer driven leadership. And as I looked at how would I break this? Uh, Cause what it is, is this is an organizational uh, uh, transformation model. It's, it's servant leadership meets entrepreneurial problem solving focused on critical data. Uh, and, and satisfying customers. And, and as I thought, well, how, and so I said, wow, this is amazing because I can see how to slow it down to gum it up. But if you're doing customer-driven leadership the right way, it can't fail you because it's self-correcting. Yes. Uh, Ted calls it, it makes you have a self-winding organization, right? And so um, that was just the natural next step is we've got to get the word out. He asked me to co-author the legacy edition of his book. Uh, so the first edition was published in 2000. So now we have all this extra data of, of the impact it's had with all sorts of organizations. Um, and, and so that's how we ended up publishing a book. I have a workbook coming out in uh, the next couple of weeks. And then I have a third um, collaborative. And now that you're, you're an author, I got to catch up, James Roberts. You know, it, it's a journey. And I think the more that... And that's why I, I'm I'm so grateful and appreciative for the work that you do, because it really is about putting people at the center of your thinking, at the center of your your doing, and then you can empower and elevate others to do the same. That is the essence of of of, of being customer driven. I want to roll this back just a bit. When you think about leadership from the lens of financial brands, banks, credit unions, fintechs, you've worked with all of them to, like you said, make their worst day happen so that it doesn't happen kind of a thing. But when you think about leadership from, from that lens, what are the dangers right now that the dear listener must be thinking about when it comes to leadership in the age of AI? Yeah. Great question. Um, I, I, let me start with the, the cyber side of things where I think, you know, there, there can be a lot of improvement done on that. Um, one of the things is, uh, you know, when you're, when, let's say, you know, I work for a top 10 global bank, but I also know that really, I think the struggles are more on the, on the other end of the scale, right? If you're, you're a small or medium sized bank, um, that it's different, right? I mean, you don't have 2000 cybersecurity professionals guarding you 24 seven, right? You've got some IT people and you, 
for me, one of the things is blind spots, right? You don't, unless you're asking the questions, you, you don't know, right? If you, if you haven't looked and thought through, what would we do if we got hit with ransomware? Yep. Then when you get hit, that could be an organizational ending event, right? And it's, it, you know, extinct like dinosaurs, right? And, and I think the stats prove that out. It's, it's medium and small size businesses in general, over 60% of them, you know, they think, oh, well, that's, that's not, I'm not going to be the one that gets hit, right? But that, you know, over 60% of them are those mid and small and, and 60% of those don't survive. Right. You, I mean, the reputational damage that you'll suffer is part of it. So you've got to keep an eye on that. Uh, you've got to focus on what are the services that are critical to my clients? What's the data that's critical to my clients? And make sure you're doing the right things to protect that. So that's that's the cyber perspective. You want me to you want to follow up or shall I hit the No, just, no, yeah. keep, keep going and we're going to come back and I want to bring this back to a couple of different points. Okay, uh, kind of from the customer-driven leadership uh, side of things, it's, um, it's, it's all about focusing on the things that matter, right? And, and a lot of, I see a lot of competition between teams at banks, you know, it's like, uh, I have my team and you have your team and yes, I've got to give you this, but how many teams are focused on, Hey, what do you really need? How can I best serve you? Kind of that servant hearted. I'm at the John Maxwell event, uh, this week, I'm a, I'm a certified coach and part of that team. And so it's great to, to plug in where you, you look at things of how can I serve people better? And then you take it to the next, right? So the next team goes, well, how can I then serve my clients internal and external better? And, and one of the things that I, I really, uh, the customer driven leadership focuses on too, is all your customers aren't the same. They have different needs and different wants and different desires. And if you're not looking at it holistically and saying, you know, I, I care at, about how you want a bank or a, a fintech to serve and, and give a feedback loop, right? Let them tell you, hey, you're, you're missing the mark so that when things start to shift away from you, you can take, you can be proactive and make sure, hey, things have changed and I want to continue to serve you where you are now, not where you were five years ago when last I checked in with you. This is what I want to loop back on is this idea of servant leadership, of, of thinking beyond ourselves, because that eliminates the silos, that eliminates the fiefdoms, that el eliminates the, the political struggle that we see, particularly, like you said, the larger the organization, the more uh, ramifications some of these issues have that they, they, they reverberate throughout the organization, but then also can go external as well. And that creates the, its own risk profile in and of itself. But when you think about servant leadership within financial services at a bank, at a credit union, at a FinTech, what, what prevents servant leadership? Cause this is cultural transformation too. What prevents servant leadership from taking root and blossoming and then ultimately producing fruit? Yeah. Um, and, and I would say, and just kind of to flip the script, right. Where, where I kind of talked about the struggles of the smaller organizations, they, they might, because they're closer to the clients, they yes. pro they're probably doing this better. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you get into the big, you know, hundred thousand plus or, you know, people organizations 
that's where I think it's very easy to lose your way, right? Um, you know, you, you get the pressures of the social pressures of, oh, well, we've got to, we've got to focus on, you know, the societal, what matters today. Uh, I think there's some, you know, as much as you want to, you know, be a good citizen, um, you've got to look at what's fair, what's right. Uh, and, and the, I, I look at the corporate culture and I see so many people, at least this was my experience and, and, you know, in the military too, right. There's only so many gold stars to hand around. Right. Yep. And so, I mean, if we're on a team of 10 people and we're all dragon slayers, why is it that only two people can get a gold star? Right. And no matter how good the other eight are, they're not going to get that gold star and they're going to feel less than that's mm -hmm. not a good way to assess talent. Right. And what I, and, and that's kind of one of the principles we use in customer driven leadership is the teams are evaluated as a team. And so let me use my unique gifts to, to help the team move forward and, and score us as a team and then assess also, Hey, it, how is Daniel as a teammate? Is he, is he care, you know, is he doing the things that he needs to do to help us be successful? That way, if you have somebody that's falling short, you can give specific measurable, when you don't engage the client in this particular way, you're no longer following our vision or values, right? So it's specific feedback that they can use to become a better teammate, to deliver better for the organization. And what? so you're measuring those things you're doing the things that help the organization and make it more, uh, you know, more impactful for the, for the end customer, the users. So uh, that's, you know, what, and whatever it is, I, I use it because, you know, you got clients and I, we work with organizations that nonprofits, things like that. So it's not always a paying customer. Digital growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. Right. I, I want to stay on this idea of maybe leadership versus the team, because yep. this is a trend, a pattern that I'm starting to see. I actually just read an article in, in HBR, Harvard Business Review about this, you know, looking from organizational transformation and, and what was traditionally historically known as, quote unquote, leadership development compared to really team development and sure. why thinking about the team versus the leader what's the shift that you're seeing through your work and the conversations that you're having of going from we'll call it traditional leadership development but now maybe it's it's elevating a team through coaching that team i mean we're both part of a strategic coach we're experiencing that ourselves and the value that comes from connecting and collaborating with others versus just it's an individual one-off because i think that's a big transformational pattern trend that we've started to see that I'm, I'm predicting will will continue to trend going forward at least over the next decade 
Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I think leaders, they know, oh, to get to the next level, we've got to, you know, check some boxes, you know, increase their awareness and sensitivity. And But I, what I like, what I think about, when I think of a strong leader, it's how, who are they serving and how well are they serving them, right? And that's really the whole principle of customer-driven leadership. It, it completely flips the hierarchy of the organization to the leaders at the bottom. Yeah. And so, and, and so instead of me being a team leader and telling my team, hey, I think you're an eight and you're a seven and you're a five. And, you know, you lose the intangibles, right? You know, Daniel's smart with computers. Maybe he's also the IT support guy for the team. And so maybe he gets a few less sales, but he keeps the team up and running right. so that everybody else is, is doing what they need to do to be successful. And so then the leadership gets a scorecard and, and basically says, look, I'm, I'm willing to be graded on how well I serve you. And then we look at the data. It's not, there's no opinions on it, right? That's the thing. You, you got to take the, it, I, you know, whether I like you or not, you did it or you didn't do it, yep. right? And that, it just makes, and then I have room as a leader to, to grow and develop. You know, I said I was going to let you have ownership of this process. And four times this month, I meddled. Yep. You, Mark you, me down, right? <laughs> so, so that I know, man, I'm fa- I told you guys I would do it, and I didn't do it. Now I'm, I'm accountable. I'm very intrigued by flipping, we'll call it flipping the org chart upside down. I know I, in a lot of the coaching that I've done with financial brands and fintechs, um, I make that very recommendation. Um and it's very interesting because, like, you'll literally you'll flip it upside down, and at the bottom you have the board, uh, and it's an it's an inverted pyramid. At the bottom you have the board, and then you have CEO, and then the C suite, and then SVP, and then VP. I have seen people get offended. It's very interesting to watch their reactions. They get offended because they have perceived themselves up to this point sitting the top but when you flip the chart upside down they're at the bottom and i'm i'm, I'm curious and, and the reason that i do this is when it comes to banking on digital growth and a lot of the methodologies that we teach and coach it does require a servant leadership perspective the even the very essence of the mantra help first sell second it's a core element um and so it, it requires a belief system that you are there to support and elevate someone else um, to help them realize their full potential. What is it though with leaders getting offended by flipping the the org chart, for lack of a better word, upside down and, and taking on not being at the, the the top, but now they're they're at the bottom. Yeah, I think John Maxwell would say they have a low leadership lid, right? Which means if you if you're not willing to listen to feedback and really let's be honest uh you know i've been in the room where you've got the executives talking to the managers right what do the executives know about what's going on in the manager's organization Mm -hmm. mostly whatever they've been telling them unless there's a problem right so you know and and so the people who can best grade you are the people who work for you and and i think if you're willing to listen to that and and really you, I I have a 
kind of a TED talk in the back of my mind. Uh, and I've, I've given it kind of ad hoc to some friends, but it's, it's, you start off with enabling people, coaching them, building them up, right? Getting them increase their awareness, increase their power to act within limited authority. And then, and then the next step is build good teams, right? So then now that I know, you know, you get used like strength finders or Colby or disc or something like that, where now I, oh, I understand how to relate better with, you know, Janet, mm. you know, she's a D she just wants the facts. Let, let me not bother her with the other stuff. Right. So that we start optimizing, use my strengths. Right. So Daniel loves to solve problems. Let's bring Daniel all our problems. If somebody has an issue someplace, get Daniel engaged. We can probably solve it in a 10th of the time. Yep. Um, you know, things like that start creating what we call high performing teams. And so that's kind of where, you know, once you've done those things, now customer driven leadership is the next, right? Now, how do you get those teams working in a high capacity way where they're serving each other and constantly improving? Not just, you know, what team A thinks team B needs, but what team B says it needs from team A and also focusing on on the KPIs, right? The things that make the business more profitable, more efficient in time and money and and uh, and customer satisfaction. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm enjoying hearing your perspective on on, on coaching, and I want to dive deeper into that because I think customer driven leadership, servant leadership coaching is kind of a it's a natural outcome of of these principles put into practice and i've been a big believer that if you can establish a culture of coaching within a financial brand bank credit union fintech that really opens up exponential growth opportunity to begin to coach account holders, not just offer them a loan or a checking account or an online banking platform or a mobile banking platform, but truly put the transformation of people over the commoditized transaction of dollars and cents. But that level of coaching, I don't believe will happen until a culture of coaching has first and foremost been established internally. How is this possible to begin with internally, to begin to establish this culture of coaching to where we're empowering and elevating others in a, in a way that might feel a bit uncomfortable for the dear listener. Sure. Let me, let me give you a, let me give you a general answer and then I'll give you a specific one. So in general, I think, especially, you know, we're in 2022 uh, and people have, you know, got to work from home Mm. and now they're starting to be expected to come back into the office. Right. Um, we've got a new generation of work people with different expectations of what work looks like. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, by, by investing in your people and sharing your vision and values with them and making sure those vision and values are a good fit. But then the next step is let's grow together. Right. And so by investing in your people, you, you make them better in all aspects and you also increase their loyalty because they see that you care about their future and you want to empower them to serve your customers better. So I think that's a fantastic, just kind of the general idea. 
And then one of the tools that we have in customer-driven leadership is called the Customer-Driven Leadership High-Performing Teams Readiness Assessment. And what it does is it asks every leader in the organization and every employee in the organization, broken out by the teams in the organization, a series of questions that grades them in seven critical categories that gives you a heat map of where you're strong and where you're weak across the whole organization. Mm. And so that's a super fantastic tool. Then you can go to a coach, the John Maxwell team coaches, or, you know, I mean, they're, they're specific coaches. I mean, you know, you can find coaches anywhere and, and I'm not, I know the Maxwell team. That's why I'm mentioning them specifically by name and I stand by their reputation. So if you go that way, you'll, you'll do, you would find the money you would spend for that coach is going to return dividends and it's going to make your team better understand each other, better understand the culture. It shows that you're investing and you care. It's, it's just an all around win. And then our assessment is, you, you know, you get a subscription for a year. So after you get some coaching, you can go back and see how much did it move the needle. Reassess. Exactly. I want to, I want to dive a little bit deeper into this because you're just, you know, kind of pulling the layers of the onion back. And I'm, I'm thinking about, questions and concerns that I hear from those in the banking on digital growth university, uh, that, that I have had conversations, you know, throughout the industry, when it comes to things like training, coaching, development, they're often the very first things to get cut when things get tough. And it's going to be interesting if we roll this conversation back three years from now to see what has transpired over that three-year period and who has done what. And I, I, I almost liken from a budgetary standpoint, training, coaching, development to that of the marketing team. Because right alongside training, coaching, development, getting cut and put on the chopping block when things get tough, marketing is right there as well. But these are like future-focused activities. Um, you stop marketing today, you're not going to feel the pain you know, coming months and maybe even quarters, maybe even a year, but you're going to feel it over an extended period of time. The same thing is true with training, development, coaching. You might not experience a, a quote unquote immediate return today, tomorrow, next week, next month. But if you look, like you said, over the period of time, that's where the exponentiality begins to kick in. How can we transform and guide the logical, rational, analytical mind of a financial brand leader who thinks in quarters to think maybe a little bit longer term to really say, hey, we're making an investment today that will yield fruit for years to come. Yeah. So a couple of things uh, come to mind. Uh, one is, uh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it, it's your you're selling out your future mm. when you give those things up, right? So, and as an investor, right, you're you're basically going into the volatility world where you you should be more strategic. In, I, I had a conversation with a guy uh, at at this Maxwell event. I think it's a great story, and he was telling me he did a turnaround project. And I wish I could give him credit, but I've talked to so many people this week. And he, he did a turnaround project where he came into a factory and the people had been requesting for years for the pack factory to get 
um, uh, painting. And he looked around and this, they were on the verge of closing that factory and laying everyone off. And he painted the factory. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. he, it, what did that, what did that message send to the people? We're not going anywhere, right? We're here. We're in it for the long haul. We're not going to sell out. And then the next thing he did was he looked around and saw what other problems he's like, well, all of these people are contract employees. I'm going to start making them full-time employees mm -hmm. so that they can see they have a future here. And all of a sudden the productivity goes way up. Yep. That's the kind of thing investing in the future for your employees does. Um, and you know, I mean, my dad was training and development. I've done, you know, designed courses and, and, uh, for the military. And so it's, it, it's important. And when you give that stuff up, you've just, you it's not, it's not going to work for you. And, and, and for your future, you're basically saying all we care about is surviving today. You haven't planted a seed to bear fruit tomorrow. That right there. If, if you can just maybe pin this, come back and listen to it over and over and over again, because as this decade, I've been saying this since, since the beginning of 2020. Buckle up, Buttercup. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I don't think we've we've seen the full volatility yet. When things get tough, lean in. Keep pressing forward. Don't get into that survival mode of the here and the now because when when you do and you take away that training, you take away that development, you take away that coaching you're taking away the future of of your peers and the people that you're working alongside. But if you're continuously investing with them through the hard time, I'm, I, I've seen it, I've lived it, I've experienced, you know, I got started really young at the age of 2021 20, with this thing, but I lived it in 2008 and I saw it. And I saw the organizations that doubled down on training, development, coaching, and then also marketing. They came out 2009, 2010, 2011, exponentially better than where they were exactly yeah, it's a, it a major growth growth curve on the other side Let, let's get real practical here as as we start to to wrap up daniel and i appreciate just the knowledge and the wisdom that you have imparted and shared today thinking about customer driven leadership um what can the dear listener do next to get started on this journey outside of getting the book, which we're going to come back to in a, in a bit, but let's get real practical because all transformation that leads to future growth begins with a small, simple step four. So what is one small thing that they can do today to begin to make progress towards developing really a culture of customer driven leadership? Yeah. I think one of the things that, that needs to come early is you need to have a culture that's psychologically safe, right? where somebody can call out the ugly of the, of the organization. So maybe a good first step would be either getting a third party to come in and look at a piece of the organization. It could be a business consultant. It could be a cybersecurity exercise guy. It could be a coach, a trainer, somebody to come in. It could be a pen tester, right? Mm. Look at, look underneath, look at the dark, corners mm. of the organization, right? Maybe it's sending out an assessment to the organization. That's just a simple question. What are we not focused on that we need to be focused on? Yeah. 
and just get everybody to give their top answer and look at what you have and don't don't stack rank it right oh well seven people said this read them all look at how and then decide if this one's right how critical is that to the future of the organization and just by focusing on the little things that you can do and hey maybe maybe it's not a little thing but maybe you can at least start taking the steps because it's incremental growth right yes. it's it's the you know the the ice cube isn't going to melt you know at a one degree increase until you cross that 32 to 33 space right mm-hmm. but you know if you're going to stay at minus 50 you're, you're never going to melt the ice cube yep yep it's so practical and and when you you do kind of this and it's really just asking it, it, it's going all in on people internally first and foremost you're you're asking them really good questions you're listening to what they're sharing and then you're also learning through observation and the outcome of this is to identify common people problems causing common people pain um, and when you do that then you can begin to develop prescriptions you know solutions cures to those pains and that exercise could then be repeated externally as well. But I like the idea of starting internally first because when we take care of our people, when we when we show our people internally that we care as an organization, as an executive leadership team, that begins to boil over externally. And as I wrote about in, in Banking on Digital Growth, I got it wrong. Like I and that was the whole reason I was like, oh, I messed up. I got to write another book to, to atone for my sins. But I wrote the, the methodology of uh, DX plus HX equals growth, meaning a, a, a positive digital experience combined with a positive human experience will lead, lead to growth. And then very quickly, an early observation through COVID, I was like, I missed, a, I missed an important element there. And I went back and have rewritten the formula for banking on change, but it's EX plus HX. So positive employee experience leads to a positive human experience. That is then multiplied by DX, a positive digital experience. And it all comes back to the employee experience for sure. This has been a good conversation, Daniel. If someone wants to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way for them to reach out, say hello, connect with you, but then also grab a copy of your book? LinkedIn is, is a good place to find me. Uh, the, the book is at customerdrivenleadership.co. And there's links to the book there. The assessments should be coming online very soon. I'm working on the digital experience as we speak so that I can better serve my customers. Absolutely. Get the book, connect with Daniel, learn with Daniel, grow with Daniel. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.